Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Shauna. And I'm Corey. And this week in our cup is water because we need to drink more water. No, no, mainly because it's late in the evening and I want to have coffee, but probably isn't a very good idea. And then um, you And also I found a new LaCroix, Lemoncello, all about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Just straight up water is good too. (laughs) <laughs> um, and we are eating your homemade rosemary sourdough bread, which it's is true. very yummy. It is. Copious amounts of butter. Yes. It's better that way. Everything is better with butter, unless you're vegan, in which case, I'm sorry. It's true. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not sorry about <laughs> butter. <laughs> okay. So today we are going to be talking um, about the sort of the balance between uh, religion and the gospel. And we're going to do this as a two series. I guess this is kind of a thing we've been doing a little bit lately. It seems like our conversations run long. And so uh, we're going to just dive right in. Uh, we we talk extensively about the tradition we were raised in, and we don't plan on stopping that trend any soon. So just buckle up, y'all. Uh, maybe Corey could fix that later. Um, nope. It's staying in. <laughs> it's staying in. Uh, so there is a tradition. Um, I think it is, it, it probably comes from many places, um, but there is uh, a, a little bit of the platonic mind or perspective involved that uh, what is happening here on earth is basic. Plato is basic and sort of uh, very, it's actually considered base and therefore no good. And what we really should aspire to is something higher, a different plane of existence. So um, for the thinkers, that would have been something like greater enlightenment or knowledge or awareness. Uh, And the way that this bled into the Christian faith is it became that um, our form here and the earth here was... um, sort of this shallow husk, um, borrowing from that tradition, making then eternity or, and specifically heaven as the ultimate goal. And so, yeah. So let me, let me dumb that down a little bit because like Plato is great. Let's just quote him. But (laughs) for the rest of us, um, the, the idea is this thought that, um, what we do here on earth is essentially frivolous and worthless until you get to an ultimate goal, right? And that when you get to that ultimate goal, whether that be all knowledge, all knowing, you know, whether that be, that's, that's true in other faiths, but, or in Christianity, it is when you die and you go to heaven or you go to hell, that is the payoff, so to speak, for all of the things that you have done up to this point. All those things are just you fighting and fighting and fighting to get to an end, end yeah. goal, kind of, and there thing. certainly is even some perspectives on Christianity. I I can't say that necessarily it's considered um, part of any Christian creed, but there is sometimes a perspective of almost karma like um, 
tallying of like, well, if your sins outweigh your penance or your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, then that is the dirt. That is the determination, right? And so we've we actually well, referenced this a couple episodes ago. The idea of the good the, place, the good place, right? Yeah. Like, and the and they view uh, faith and and probably Christian faith in a lot in that way of because we've portrayed it as this idea of you do enough things, it counts up. If your number is big enough, then you make it to the good place. Yeah. If you don't, you make it to the bad place. Sorry to ruin the show for you, but that's how it. You know, that's the gist <laughs> of it. But but. I would say that I think a lot of Christians even probably subscribe to that idea. Like, yeah. well, but I was a good person and how could God punish good people mm-hmm. and and all of those things. And so, so it creates this weird discussion that honestly probably even shouldn't be had at this point. But we have it because we put this false understanding yeah. of what, um, what, what are we in this for? so to speak. Totally. It, it really does. It becomes um, a religious trap because it it is avoiding hell or gaining heaven. And it is all about fear as the driver. You're, you're fearful of a eternity of punishment. And therefore, you are driven to seek out salvation or you're driven to participate in the... Um, traditions of a particular church right but the but the driver behind that is fear or avoidance of eternal punishment or maybe um for those who feel like they're you know really righteous and good and if you want to hear what we act how we actually define righteousness go ahead and listen to last week's episode but that feel that they're doing a great job they might then have um like sort of kudos as their driver, right? Like, well, I earned my way into heaven. I'm doing the stuff I'm supposed to do. And so that is this, that to me is the ultimate religious perspective of that is, that is the sort of people get mad at, at faith. They say, well, organized religion is da, da, da. When I hear that, that's what I'm hearing is Mm. the idea that, that, the perspective on Christianity is that it's this weighing and measuring for some sort of intangible but eternal future that doesn't have a whole lot to do right now with right now. So it's fear or reward. Well, or or on the other side of that, are because there probably are Christians listening to that and going, "Well, I don't believe that your yeah. actions add up to equal totally. your, the end goal." Yeah. But I think that a lot of times what they do is they go, "But I." made this singular choice so therefore i said the magic prayer yep. and therefore everything was is null and void and so that's why i do it right like that got sure. me in. that was the that was the i got the magic ticket the golden ticket right, right? you know and now i can am accepted into heaven and and i have this end game so you know your past sins don't matter, but you did this one thing and all of a sudden, right. Shazam, you're, you're where you need to be. And while I, I do subscribe a little bit to that idea. Sure. Because of what our faith is, but, yeah. but I think it's missing a big piece of what the purpose of salvation and faith and relationship with God is is totally that makes sense oh yeah because it comes back to and i'm going to keep using this phrase this religious trap it it comes back to 
that some things, either a thing, a, a specific prayer or a specific specific um, adherence to a church, or if you take the more karma-esque route, you know, a balance of good and bad, that those things here are what guarantees some sort of not here, not now, not even really you, some sort of future eternity, right? And and that those things feel very often disconnected, right? That that heaven and um, eternity have nothing to do with earth other than the choices you make here impact your entrance exam. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is that I think the reason that we do that, um, if you think about it and you look out through history, I was actually just downstairs watching a World War II documentary and they were talking about... You and your history I'm a, channel. I'm a nerd, but yeah. like um, I was watching a World War II documentary and they were showing the Battle of Britain and the bombings that happened in London around World War II and that's thousands of people that died and just... Tra- traumatic things yeah when you are in the midst of that type of catastrophe yeah it's easy to go well at least it's not this isn't all we get yeah you know and i think sometimes we we instead of and maybe i'm jumping ahead a little little bit here but like instead of looking at what we have in front of us and finding the good and finding finding what god has for us in where we are we just go I'm going to throw this whole thing away. This yep. thing is worthless. I'm worthless. This life in, in as a whole is worthless. Everything yep. is frivolous. But at least I'll get everything. Have you been reading a cla- Ecclesiastes again? Well, yeah. <laughs> Hevel, everything is yeah, yeah. Hevel. It's smoke and vapor. Um, actually, that's, uh, yes. I think I would agree that there is a draw there when when life here is horrific and there are people whose experiences um in life they are horrific and we talked last week about our safety and our privilege and so we can't pretend to understand um that experience but it so i don't disagree with it but i want to sort of spin it a little bit because i think that that the message of the bible is not Everything here is trash. We right. need to destroy it, disrupt it, and we need to have an existence away from and separate from this place, which is how that religious mm-hmm. perspective feels. I'm I'm not speaking on the behalf of any religion, but that's how it can feel in the conversations we're having. It's the difference between... God is going to make all new things. All of this is going to go away and there will be all new things. And God is coming to make all things new. Mm. And that's a little bit of a play on words that we have borrowed from others. Um, but but it's a great way to explain it and give perspective to it, I think. It is. And so um, I heard it first, I believe, from N.T. Wright. We're going to link to something, so hopefully I'm not misquoting. Um, but it's make all things new, not make all new things. And that is a significant difference because if you go all the way back to the first two chapters, 
God created, and we do subscribe to this and we can, you know, argue about evolution and, you know, intelligent design and all of that. That's, that's really separate from the way we read Genesis. But the point is that God took something that was void, no life, no purpose, no order, created life and purpose and order. Um, and, and created this world to do exactly what it does. I mean, it's, it's incredible where we live here and we get to go walk through the temperate rainforest. It's astounding what grows and lives on this planet and, and how flexible it is and that it can renew itself and invites humans to participate in that. And of course, we believe that, that we, we as humanity, we've gotten away from our role as image bearers. And that means that we just muck things up all the time, right? We're, we're terrible to each other. We, we don't act very humanely right. to each other or the earth. But that doesn't mean that the earth and humankind need to be decimated. They need to be renewed. And that's, that is the distinction you and I want to make today as we talk about this, that there is the organized religious tradition that some people call Christianity. And that's, that's okay because there, there is a Christian religious tradition. However, very often it subscribes to the fear avoidance ways and balance that every, that God needs to make all new things. We want to propose as we certainly don't do alone. We subscribe to the theological perspective is maybe a better way to say it, that God intends to make all things new and that the idea of the gospel is not one of control or power or decimation, but that the concept of the, of the gospel says that, yes, there is eternity in mind, but that right now, we get to participate in the kingdom of God. We get to participate in this making things new. And we're not just like holding on to the horror until, you know, God separates the, the sheep from the goats. No, no, we are, we are getting to participate in the kingdom of God happening here in this time and in this way. And that's a, I think that's a pretty distinct distinctly different view than, than some have of what we say when we mean a Christian gospel or a Christian faith. Yeah. And I think what that means for us is that, um, you know, I think, I think I grew up with this concept that and we, we talked about this in the brokenness episode. We've talked about this in other things, but I think and I think this theme will continue to come back up, which is this idea that I I have no good in me and no mm. good motives. And yeah. so God needs to come in, fix it all, and save me from myself. Yep. As opposed to bringing renewed relationship. Yeah. That brings me in, and it's like a father grabbing a son and pulling him close. Yeah. As opposed to correcting and saying, no, 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 go and do it right again the next time. Right. Yeah. We see this in the story of, um, of the, the, the son that goes away. Uh, prodigal son? Prodigal son. Good for you. <laughs> we see this in the story of the prodigal son, right? Yeah. Where, where 
the father is just all he wants is restoration. Yeah. He's not interested in in wanting to tell his son what he did wrong, how he could correct it next time. Let's talk about this. Right. And the other son who's been in relationship keeps missing it and yeah. keeps wanting him to be punished over here. Yeah. And I think that, that that story is as much about the son coming home, the prodigal son, yeah. as it is about the son that stays home. Yeah. And, and the church oftentimes who sits there and says, but they didn't deserve it. Mm. They didn't do what I did. They aren't, aren't doing this. They aren't doing things the right way. They aren't living, yeah. they aren't staying at home with me. And, and I think that ultimately... What we need to do is look at it. The way, you always talk about this with our kids, right? We aren't we aren't correcting our children, and this has been a hard thing for me to grasp as a mm-hmm. parent because I, my parents were always like, "You do wrong, you get punished. You get, don't do wrong again." That's you know, the rod, you know, type of yeah. ideas. Spare the rod and spoil the child type of thing. And so, I I had a moment where you and I were talking about parenting and was looking at our kids and I had to shift the way I looked at our kids Mm. and go, my kids actually want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how. And so I'm teaching them to do the right thing. I'm teaching them why this is important. Now, sometimes they do things that are selfish, but it's a teachable moment as to raising their awareness that what they're doing is hurting the other person. It is, it's actually, it's creating distance between you yeah. and your brother or sister or whatever it is. Yeah. And this is what you need to do to fix that. And yeah. I think that if we look at, if we understand our role in our walk, our walk through life in that same way and go, oh, the whole purpose of this and the whole purpose of God and the whole purpose of Jesus is to, is to guide us and not to just come in and tap us on the head with a magic finger and say, now you're going to heaven, you yeah. know. And and it makes life so much more fruitful now. Yeah. And I think that's where you see the, the hope. I mean, if you look at the first century church, um, they were they were willing to just be murdered for what they believed. Well, why would they... I mean, we could view it as, well, I may as well be dead because I'll be in heaven. And there is a there is a hope of life continuing. But the but the onus on that wasn't, yeah, like get me out of here. It was, I know that I know that I know who I am. I have this identity um, that is so sure. I have a relationship that is so sure that I don't actually need to subscribe to other identity markers, right? Like I don't need to be a nationalist. I don't need to be um, identified by my vocation or my socioeconomic status or the car I drive. I don't, I don't need to be identified by those things because my identity is that, that I was born into. I'm an image bearer and I get to have relationship with God. And so this gospel of Jesus is this radical paradigm shift away from you have value because of, um, because of these actions and being in the club or outside the club. And the, the gospel of Jesus is the shift to love God. God wants to be near you, right? We talk about that proximity thing. I use that word a lot, proximity of 
you you have no awareness of God, no interest in God. That's sort of all the way on, for me, it's always on the left of this continuum. And that you move along that, hopefully in life, um, where, you know, for some people like our kids, they're, they move down that continuum at birth. They're in a home where they hear us talk about God and they read the Bible. And then you move down that continuum until you become curious about who Jesus is and, and what he said he did. And then you move a little further down into exploring what it looks like to behave in that way, to function in that way, to have that kind of identity. What does that look like um, to, to have that? And then you reach the point of saying, oh, this is what I want. And you and I likened it to our dating, right? We didn't know who we were and then we knew who each other was and then we knew we liked each other and then we knew we wanted to build a life together. And then we reach the point of actually taking vows to live life together, right? There is that point where you make a distinction. Right. Um, but that, and and so for, to distinguish between religion, which is this adherence to a certain creed or dogma or set of actions, and the gospel, the gospel is this shift to, and to borrow from Scott McKnight, um, and the Jesus Creed to love God and to love others. And it's to stop seeing the world as the in-club and the out-club. And it's to see all humans have worth, have everyone. It, it doesn't matter um, what your status is, what your nationality is, what your... Contribution is. Contribution is, right? That, that humans carry worth because humans are image bearers and that therefore, while there is a social hierarchy um, that we live within in our Western culture, there is no hierarchy under this tone of the gospel. And that, that shifts how we behave right now, right? It's one thing to say, I did the right thing or I said the right prayer or I, you know, I go to church or I do what I do. So I know I'm going to heaven and you're going to heaven too. So we're in the club and then there's the riffraff and taking this gospel view of everybody has value. So what does that mean for how I behave today? What does that mean for how I address my neighbors, whether or not they have the same, whether or not they're on the same place on that continuum? Well, and I think that's the important part, right? Like it is. So I think you said, whether you're, you're you're in the club or not, yeah, right. And I think that a lot of times we get this. I mean, I remember I have had people say to me, "Oh, like, oh, they got saved, so they made it into the club just in time," type yeah. of idea, or they did this, and so they they made it into the club just in time. And we feel this sense of relief, as if yeah. all of the things they didn't miss didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which when which. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great if if somebody on their deathbed decides, you know what, I want to be closer to, to who Jesus is. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I have no, I, I'm not saying that that doesn't yeah, hold. Jesus is definitely not up there like, ah, oh, man, you missed it by four minutes, dude. Yeah, Sorry. Exactly. Like that's that's not a thing. But, um, but I do believe that it it. I don't remember where I was going with it, but like I, I <laughs> no, but that it should impact the way you live in the day to day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that that um, I think that's the one thing that we forget about as Christians, right? Mm. Like that, that that our faith should be transformative to our actions, and should should 
be transformative, like you're saying, to how we view the person in the room. Yeah. Right. Or not in the room or the person on the street. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring up what's happening right now. Right. Okay. We're in the midst of people being very hurt. There's Black Lives Matter movements going on. People yeah. being very hurt uh, by the George Floyd stuff that's been happening. Yeah. All of this stuff that's kind of our, our nation is in upheaval. Yeah. And I see a lot of people that are Christians that are, go to our church or go to a church or are subscribed to beliefs. And they're looking at the actions of, of people that are rioting, that are doing things that I totally agree. They probably shouldn't be doing. But they're not hearing the voice of the person that, that's, that's calling out behind yeah. it. And we're looking at them by their actions and not the way that God views them. Yeah. And that is what God is calling us to do. Yeah. That is the role that we are supposed to take. And this is not some like, oh, fluffy, you know, grass in the field, flowery thing. This is a, this should be, this should be a weight that weighs on us yeah. as Christians to be like, oh, wow. I, I didn't look at God's creation the way that I should be looking at God's yeah. creation. I did not, I, it should be a response. It's a responsibility on those of us that subscribe to, to this faith. It is not a hammer by which we should be condemning the people that are outside of this faith, right. which is what I think we tend to do and yeah. oftentimes. And that's where the the religious perspective comes in, right? right? And it, it is such a tangled web because there is this gospel that is hope-filled and is about is about renewal and putting things right and justice. And then there's like the like ruling power driven. I'll use that message to build myself up side of things. Then there will always be humans who do that. Right. I mean, Jesus talked about, I think that's what so many of the false prophets and false teachers were. He says, they will come in my name and, and we can use that message as a way to gain self-fame and self-power, mm. or you can subscribe to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, Jesus was clear, it was here now. Kingdom of God is not is not just a future thing. It is a right now thing. And that right now thing is is actually about justice. It is actually about treating ourselves and the people that we encounter as valued and loved and seen and known image bearers of God. And that Jesus, Jesus came and he died and rose again. And I, I believe those things that he did that not because he was trying to rescue us from this earth and the, the horror of this, but because he was restoring this relationship, this, this purpose to the original creation and that we get to imperfectly right now, right? I mean, yeah. we're still, we're still living in a place where lots of people aren't living out of their humanity, right? They're living out of something else and it is ugly and it is hurtful and, and we see the results of that all the time, but but if we hope in the gospel, what that should mean is that we are willing to participate in this renewal. It's not all new things. It's all things new, which means I need to have a new worldview when I enter the world. People that my upbringing would say, um, 
are not worthy of me or people that my upbringing would say I'm not worthy of mm. means I stop seeing things in those terms and I begin to treat the people I interact with as, as loved and valued and full of worth, not because of their degrees or money or power or their lack of degrees and money and power, but simply because they exist and to see them for who they are and use their name and uh, ascribe to them the reality that they have a story and their story and their voice matters. Um, and, and I would challenge, um, I think there's a lot of um, depression. There's a lot. Of, I mean, the suicide rate within the church is the same as it is outside of the church. Yeah. Right? I, would, I would say that the same is true of the person that's saying that. Mm. Of like looking at yourself and not assigning your value based off of the things that you have done. Mm. the the titles that you have obtained or have not obtained the yeah. failures you have made the things that you have done and understanding that that is not what makes you who you are yeah and that is not what makes you a good christian or a good person or a yeah. good but that but that god sees you in a very very different way yeah. and there may not there may be people that don't see you that way and there may be people that don't treat you in that way but that's on them and that's not on that's not on who you are or the yeah. value that god sees you as yeah um, and the, remember if you remember us talking about the proximity um the we believe that jesus invites us into relationship and it's a relationship that looks a whole lot like what you and I have in our marriage, where it's this ongoing discovery of each other. And of course, God knows us wholly, which means he knows everything that we're embarrassed to admit and that we try to pretend doesn't exist. And he loves us exactly the same. And he invites us to draw closer and closer to him. And the closer we get to Jesus, not the less we are of ourselves, but the mm. more we are our authentic self. He made you good. And we don't always act good. We don't always act humanely. But the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're stepping near him and with him and, and learning who he is and participating. I mean, that's what, that's what Christianity means. It's, it's like a Christ type, right? And we're going to, the next episode, we're going to talk about this big fancy word um, called Christiformity. It really means almost the same thing. But as we participate in this gospel, we become more of who we actually are, more fulfilled in who we are, more authentic in who we are, more secure in who we are, not because we are trash that need to advocate, ad, abdicate ourselves, but because God created us for purpose and, and a purpose we don't actually get to do without being near him. Yeah. I think it's funny because I think that, and you summarized that up really well, so maybe I shouldn't keep Thank going, you. but no, I'm going to, going. But, but like you use the word, you know, as we get closer to our humanity. And I yeah. think so often in the church, you hear this idea that your humanity is kind of like this sinful skin that yeah. or clothing that just drapes over your soul yeah, and it needs to go away. So that your true self can be there. But yeah. who we are in our humanity, and I'm not talking about our physicality, but who we sure. are in our humanity is is who God created us to be. Yeah. And he has purpose. And like you said, as you get closer to God, you begin to see the, you get to 
you should be seeing more of an authentic version of who you are yeah. that is closer and more like who he is as well. Yeah. But in, in its own way. Yeah. In your, in your own way. So. Exactly. And so I, I hope that you all have heard us uh, make, draw a little bit of a distinction between the religious perspective of Christianity as a religion and the actual gospel of Christ. And in full disclosure, we attend an organized religious church and we happen to love it and the people in it. Um, but we don't go week in and week out um, and participate in those traditions and rituals because we believe it will earn us something. Hmm. We go because we believe in the value of community and we know that for us to grow into our humanity, we need to be with other people who are trying to grow into their humanity too through the gospel. And um, I think ain't none a, of it perfect. Yeah, and I think that's a good point and um, is that I know I have gone to church and and sat in a church service and been frustrated with what the pastor was saying and with the things that were going yeah. on because I know that they too are not perfect and I may yeah. not even agree with it. But I actually had a moment when I was sitting there one time where where I really felt this this like heaviness on me that yeah. was um sometimes you're in those places to grow you despite what's being said. It's not that yeah. what's being said maybe from a pulpit or from a, even from other people within the church sure. is going is going to they're going to speak truth into your life or whatever mm -hmm. you want to look at it. But sometimes it's a moment of you going, oh man, being open to allow God to speak into you and learn from what they're saying. Yeah. It's a little bit different, yeah. right? And like maybe the words they're saying isn't going to change you, but you're going to But the hear discipline something. of hearing something and then evaluating it. And, and finding a way to apply it. That's yep. a really hard thing to do. But yep. but if, it's that push-pull thing you and I talk about. All yeah. the, it's what we want these conversations to be. It's what we want you to do. So if you're in a church where you're beginning to wrestle with some of this stuff and you're not sure where you land and what you're hearing, that doesn't mean you need to run screaming from that church. Yeah. There are churches out there that aren't safe, but there's also an opportunity for you to sit back and form form your your identity in that space right like we have we have attended churches where in the end we thought we walked out of a sermon for someone we really respected that we don't agree with that we actually have a completely different theological perspective but it's not scary to hear a different perspective and then take it back to the word of god and take it back to you know trusted commentary and other voices and and wrestle with that because that's where the learning grows. The Bible, as, as we've talked about, was written to be shared and learned in community. And if you do it by yourself, you're going to create a cult. Right. Yep. Don't do it, y'all. You need to be in community. And even if that means that you're in a church where you're still trying to figure out whether or not they're preaching the gospel, um, allow yourself to spend that time in the tension as long as you come back to what the gospel actually is. Um, and, and your learning process to be closer to what, to what the Bible teaches as the gospel. And then go ahead and wrestle with that tension. Yeah. Find people. If, if your church, if your pastors aren't open to wrestling with you through it, find people that are. Yeah. And, and seek wise counsel. Yeah. Seek people 
that that do still, especially if you you're interested in maintaining your faith, seek people that are Christians. Seek people that yeah. are that are of faith and say, "I'm thinking about this." And yeah. if they just shut you down, go, "You can't think like that." Find somebody that will say, "That's an interesting point of view. Why do you feel that way?" Yeah. What walk me through how why you feel that way and yeah. and 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 walk around those ideas and think through them. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So um, we are going to continue this conversation next week where we are going to walk around this a little bit more um, in in the using the term of Christoformity. So we would love um, to have you join that conversation. Of course, we always love to hear from you on our social platforms. You can find us on um, Instagram and Facebook at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can find us on the internet at breadandcuppodcast.com where there is a blog and a place where you can comment or email us. And of course, please always listen to our episodes, share them, like them, send us a review. Uh, it really does help get the word out there and um, spark more conversation. We don't want to be talking in a bubble. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.